and welcome to the Inspired Jewish Woman podcast. I absolutely love and value that you are here with us right now, and I hope you will hear something on today's episode that will touch your heart and soul in a beautiful way. Enjoy the podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another installment of the Inspired Jewish Woman weekly podcast. Today, I have Becky Zimmerman live with me over here. This is so, so nice. Becky is one of the first people I met when I moved to Chicago. We go to the same Zumba class. So I just knew it was love at first sight. (laughs) It really, really was. So I find that it's very important to find role models. Wherever I go, I'm, I'm looking for people that are one step ahead of me that I could attach myself to somewhat and learn from them. So Becky is one of those incredible people that she's at the next level of her life with married kids. And your life looks very different to mine right now, but I'm watching and learning. So will you introduce yourself to my incredible group of women? Sure. Hi, so I'm Becky Zimmerman. I taught kindergarten for 25 years in Ari Crown Hebrew Day School. I really loved, loved, loved teaching the little ones. Before that, I taught in Petach, which is now called REACH, a program for children with learning disabilities. And I still volunteer at a LAVE program, which is run by the Libanu Homes for children of all ages with disabilities. So my love is really young kids and kids with special needs. I have seven sons, Baruch Hashem, that Hashem blessed us with. My husband and I raised them here in Chicago. and. We are so blessed that six out of seven live back here in Chicago after having lived in Israel for many years. Many of them, they came back. I have one son and daughter-in-law in Scottsdale, Arizona, very happily doing Kiruv there and working there and adding to a growing community. My parents made Aliyah 23 years ago to a place in Yerushalayim called Baka Talpiot. I was always extremely proud of them. Two of my siblings, my married siblings, two of my brothers made Aliyah before them and kind of led the way. And we were hoping to join them. God willing, one day we still will, but we have to take our entire clan with us, which (laughs) will be a challenge. I'm the only daughter. I have four brothers, four younger brothers, and I have seven sons. So Hashem finally blessed me (laughs) a generation later with daughters-in-law and beautiful grandsons and granddaughters. Well, if we get Becky started on talking about her family, it's we're going to be here (laughs) for a very long time. And she's going to bring out the pictures. It's amazing. (laughs) When The first time I came to your house, we were going to talk about something else. But 45 minutes later, with all the wedding pictures, and (laughs) I just realized, like, this is so beautiful. It's so beautiful to raise a family. And at the end of all the toil and all the planting and all the doing and the exhaustion and the sleepless nights of bringing seven boys to be menches and men and fathers of their own, right? It's It's unbelievable. And the thing that I really loved about you asking me if I would speak about the sandwich generation is the fact that I don't feel I could have done it without the previous generation. Mm. You know, my in-laws who were not from, but were very, very respectful of our way of life. The boys grew up with that Bubby and Zadie here in Chicago. They lived in Lincolnwood, not far from us. And they changed their home to be a kosher home when my husband was becoming from when he was a young adult. 
And they kept it that way. Even when my husband moved out, they wanted their grandchildren to feel comfortable to eat in their home and to be in their home. And that made a huge difference. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Health-wise? Yes. Like the fact that my mother-in-law could come over for a Yom Tov and bring a roast or bring Mm -hmm. a chicken. You know, she always offered to help when she could. We went there many times, not for Shabbos or Yom Tov meals necessarily, but for Sunday night meals. We always had family gatherings with parts of the family, my husband's sister and her family who were not from. And my boys grew up knowing and accepting differences and you know, knowing that they had part of the family that was not from, but they loved them and adored them and cherished them and respected them, You know, which I think was a wonderful life lesson. Also, my parents... Before they made Aliyah, they lived in St. Louis. My father was the rabbi of a shul there. And my sons tell me now that when we used to go for almost every Yom Tov to St. Louis, they would see Zadie's library of Sparim. They would see how he interacted with his balabatim, you know, the members of his shul. If it translates some of these Hebrew words. Oh, sure. <laughs> so they would see how he interacted with his congregants mm. and how kind and giving my father was. That's and so my mother beautiful. being the Rebetzin, you know, in a community that wasn't as huge as Chicago, their house was always open. We always had guests over. I davened. It contributed I, a lot to your boys. Like yes, they're all special. To their, men. yes, to their, you know, wanting to be a part of the community, the part of the religious community, wanting to be a part. I think almost every one of my sons is a part of a shul or a kolel and a very active member of our community. And at home, you know, my husband has been involved in NCSY, which is a youth group for young men and women who are, you know, seeking out spirituality and seeking, you know, wanting to improve their knowledge of Yiddishkeit, of Judaism. My husband's been teaching one-on-one and in groups, and he goes to the convention. Sometimes I join him. So my boys grew up with that type of an outreach home, you know, a home that was always, always inviting. Thank right. God. What I'm hearing from you is it takes a village because yes. you couldn't have done this. You couldn't have really raised them the way that you raised them without the support of your parents, your in-laws, that having such an influence Absolutely. on your children's lives. Yeah. And my burning question is, what was the hardest part like of parenting? It's not over yet, right? right. So, I mean, right. it never ends. Right. I think the hardest part, especially having sons, is the balance. For me, it was a balance between wanting my sons to be Torah observant Jews as we raised them to be, and also worrying that they would be able to support families. Mm. You know, nowadays it is different than it was in the times of my parents when, you know, most families the mom stayed home and there was a one salary, you know, per household. You know, my mom had a fiery desire to teach, Mm. but when we were growing up, she was a housewife. She was at home and she kind of squelched her Mm. desires until much later in life when she did start teaching Torah. Mm. And she still teaches to this Mm. day. I always worked, you know, part-time out of the house. And I, you know, thank God we're blessed with daughters-in-law who are professionals and who I never felt that worry that it was all going to fall on my son's shoulders. Thank God each one of them married a partner in raising wonderful Jewish children and in also, you know, being able to support themselves with all the expenses and all the challenges and all the requirements. They each, you know, found their bashert, their special person, you know, that Hashem had in mind for them. So I just thank God every day for sending us the girls, you know, that we have in our lives, our beautiful, wonderful daughters-in-law. Wow. So the hardest chunk 
I feel like I'm kind of in the heart herd right now, but it's, I mean, I remember my grandmother telling me little kids, little problems, just wait, big kids, big problems. And now I have two full fledged teenagers. I mean, one that's almost out of teens, like, you know, the next stage coming back home and going to college soon. And it's just like, what's going to happen next? I'm holding on tight. But I remember at a certain point this year, I looked at my husband and I said, what were we thinking when we had them all so close in age? Did we think we would have four teenagers in the house? We have like, 12 year old, almost 13 year old, a 14 year old, a 17 year old. Thank God. Thank God. But it's it's so intense. And then there's still the The eight year old and the 10 year old that need to be tucked in. So do you remember, is it a haze? (laughs) You know what? It's funny. My husband says that he can't remember the eighties. And that was when most of the boys were young and he just kind of blocked it out of his memory. I remember the eighties very, very well. You know, the time when they were little, you're right. Little children, small problems, bigger children, bigger. We did have, you know, our crazy moments, our boys, we were blessed with very good boys. Thank God. We were very, very lucky, but you know, everyone had his challenge along the way. I remember also sitting around the table, like on Shabbos and saying to my husband, Joey, where did they come from? Where did we get all these boys? Where did they come from? And he would say, yeah, you know, they're here. They're here to stay. And, and we just always felt so blessed when Svi, our oldest, went off to Israel. I think that was um, kind of a turning point for our family. He went to a yeshiva that was, you know, very much to the right. And I kept saying, you know, but we're Zioni. We believe in the country of Israel. And we still do. Forever, Israel is in my heart and my soul, but my boys kind of moved a little bit farther to the right. And I have a picture in my mind of my youngest, Ami, who was six years old, five and a half, when my oldest got married. There's 16 years between them and my boys all married young. So I still have a picture in my mind of Svi, my oldest son, walking down the streets of Jerusalem in his black hat and his sitsis out and his black suit. And my little Ami in his large kippa, you know, with designs all over it and his sits us out in his shorts and t-shirt. It was such a beautiful image that these are both my sons and they're both at very different stages of life. And I just loved, I loved that they still remain close, even though there's such a big age gap. They both work. My youngest is in a kolel here in Chicago. Kolel is where young men, usually married men, are paid to sit and study Torah all day long. And they work very, very hard. They're assigned um, learning partners. And sometimes they learn with their assigned partners. Sometimes they study Torah with members of the community and they're paid to do so. They get a stipend, but it's considered a job. If my son misses time in any of the times of day that he's set to be learning, they'll dock his pay. So Um, it's really like a job. It's serious business. And he loves it. My son Ami loves it. Each of my sons, when they finished learning Torah in Israel, came back to America and sat and learned in a kolel type situation for a few years, each of them. And then they went on, you know, to look for a paying job as well. So my oldest son is a Rebbe at Skokie Yeshiva, which is a high school for Jewish young men. It's a high school and a college, actually. So he teaches both freshmen and high school in a very high honors class. And he also teaches college-aged 
young men who go for college degrees as well as furthering their Jewish studies. Fun facts, because my listeners, they know so many stories about my life. I have like all these <laughs> chapters of my life. So I just met Becky when I moved here to Chicago, but I've heard of Becky for decades because Becky's first daughter-in-law that came into her family, Rachel. the one that married the oldest son, Speed, that she's talking about now, Rachel, she went to seminary with me in Israel. So we were together in 1999 and Rachel just married off her oldest daughter. So that was like a first for me being like in the circle of the mother of the bride. Like it was so <laughs> exciting. I'm like, how did I get into this circle? Oh my gosh, Crazy. pinch me, pinch me. But yeah, such a small world. How So I heard so much about the Zimmermans, the Zimmermans. I mean, Rachel would always sing your praises because she had a connection to you even before she married your son. So that's yes. just such a nice little fun fact. How Hashem <laughs> like connects all the dots. It's we're all so, so, so connected. So true. Okay, so our topic for today, even though we've been talking for a while already, the topic is the sandwich generation. And this is something that we have not tackled, but we've talked a lot about a lot of different things. And this is something that I'm hearing more and more. My own peers are now feeling a little bit pulled on both ends. Like their parents are needing them more. They're still raising little kids or still having children, some of my friends. And they're just at a loss of how are you supposed to do this? How do you navigate this balance? So when I met Becky, I told Becky, I wanted to bring Becky with me on a trip to Israel. I wanted Becky to be a co-leader on my upcoming momentum trip. So we were all in, we're talking about it. We had a meeting about it. It was a done deal. And during that meeting, I think your phone went off about 10 times. Your daughter-in-laws, your sons, your grandchildren, you needed yep, to babysit, yep, pick yep. them up from school. I was like, oh my gosh, it was really, really intense. Even more intense than raising a family was grandmothering a family. Thank God. I mean, I don't know how many, but we're talking, there are dozens of grandchildren and there's always a couple that are baking, yes, right? There are exactly. a couple in the oven at every yes. given moment. So you were all in for this trip, which was something that you really wanted to do. And then you realized you had a conflict. Thank God, a simcha. And, and you I said, I, right. It. And Baruch Hashem, like, thank God to have to go from simcha to simcha, which yeah. is really your life. Like this week, you had an upshare in the cutting right. hair at one of her grandsons with three-year-olds. We have, you know, babies due just before Pesach. Baby due in the summertime. We have a bas mitzvah in Arizona in May, which is why I couldn't do the momentum trip. But just had a wedding of a grand wedding of a granddaughter, our eldest son's eldest daughter. So we're so blessed. I always thank Hashem every day for the blessings of a large family, the blessings of having somebody ask me, how do you do Hanukkah? How do you do birthday gifts? COVID really, unfortunately, stopped us from having huge groups altogether. We typically could have 30 people at a Shabbos table. And now we usually do two families at a time, sometimes two large families and a smaller one. So for Yom Tov, we try to split it up. For Seder, example, for the Sedarim, we have, let's say, three families at one Seder, maybe three or four at the next Seder. So we also find, even though you know we're not as COVID cautious anymore, it's nice to give families a little bit private time. My husband, Joey, who loves to lead the Seder, he would say they can't even hear me at the other mm -hmm. end of the room. So when it's a little bit more intimate, when it's only 25 rather than 45, it's a little more manageable. Mm -hmm. So Sunday nights can be pretty crazy in the house. We get together many times to celebrate birthdays, to celebrate 
whatever, you know, just family time on a Sunday night, since we can't always be together on Shabbos. I'm looking around this room or this house, I'm just picking up the energy of these walls. <laughs> if the walls could talk, yeah, what would they the say? If the walls could talk, they would tell you lots of kids running around <laughs> and having a good time. Thank God. The nice thing about having, you know, I always feel very blessed that my parents are still living. My in-laws are gone. Aleichem HaShalom. They passed away about 10, 12 years ago. But my parents are still alive, living in Jerusalem, still vibrant, you know, failing physically, but mentally still right on, you know, doing their thing. So I do feel very pulled in a sense that I have so much going on here in Chicago and in America, in Arizona. And yet my heart, you know, wants to be with my parents. I feel like I have such precious time left with them. They're in their upper 80s that I'm very pulled to go and visit them as often as I can. You just got back from a yes, trip. Yes, I was just there for a week, a very brief week. When you were there, were you able to be present or were you always being on the phone with the kids? So no, I really was present. I was really present. The intention of my trip was to my brothers who live in Israel always say to me, you know what your job is. You know what your job is. Even though I'm the older sister, they direct me because nobody lives with them. They're mm. still living on their own in a condo and they have, thank goodness, they have help that comes in, but my family feels it's not enough help. So my job was to gauge how are they really doing? Are they mm. managing? You know, Do they need more help? Are they safe? I needed to assess. Do them. you feel a, a greater responsibility because you're the daughter? I do. I do because I'm the daughter and I'm the oldest. I don't know if that's a thing all across the board. I'm not sure. You know, my brothers in Eretz Yisrael, thank God, they're very attentive to my parents. But I think there is a difference between Mm. a son and a daughter. And when I'm there, I'm 100% at their disposal. Mm. My brothers have, you know, are very busy. They have their families and children and grandchildren. They still work full time. I'm retired now. So when I'm there, I'm fully there. You know, I have friends I'd like to see, and I do like to go around to my nieces and nephews and my brothers and sisters-in-law. But really, my purpose is just to be with my parents, just to spend time with them, just to love them, just to be thankful that I have them. That's so beautiful. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm very blessed. You're that. so blessed, and they're so blessed. Thank so you. I have a question for you, because sure. I think you're a phenomenal human being. You have a capacity to just give and give and give. And it, it seems to be your greatest joy to give to the people that you love. But is there ever a point where you feel resentful or that you need more time for yourself? For example, this trip. I mean, you really wanted to come on this trip. It was on your bucket list. Yeah. And you know what? I, God willing, I will. We've already spoken about the fact that there may be another momentum trip in November. Yeah. And I really would love to do that. I try to carve out me time. One of my daughters-in-law, who's a, a psychotherapist, and she is my best sounding board always says to me, Ma, take some time for you, do something for you. And I've started to do that. I feel like going to Zumba. Mm. And sometimes there are weeks that I can go every morning if I can, if I can fit it in. I always tell my daughters-in-law, I can drive any carpool as long as I can still make my Zumba class right after driving, or I can take anybody to a doctor's appointment, to an orthodontist, as long as I can fit in my Zumba. So it's a big priority for me, which is wonderful. I even for the first time went on a girl's trip with friends of mine from high school. Some of them I'm friends from grammar school with them. One from Cleveland, one from St. Louis. 
a couple from Chicago, one from Israel. We went on a, a girl's trip this past summer to That's Lake so Geneva, nice. and we had the best, best, best time. And we promised each other we'll do it again and again, mm-hmm. God willing. So I do try to learn from my daughters-in-law and carve out some me time. I help them. I do feel blessed to be able to help them mm-hmm. when they need time with my sons, when they have a, a date night and I can help babysit. I'm happy to do that. Mm-hmm. But I also realize that there has to be time for me and my husband and me, myself. My husband is still traveling for work, so he's not home a lot during the week. And I crave my private time. I really do. It's special time for me. Sometimes my children or grandchildren will say, come over for dinner. Come over, Bubby. We want you to eat over. And I'll say, no, I want to eat what I want to eat. Maybe it's cereal and milk. Is it getting easier for you to say no? Easier and harder. Harder because as my family grows, there's so many more needs that the children have. You know, thank God, more appointments, OT, PT, speech therapy, all these different, you know, therapies. And my children who live in Arizona, Kanayanahara, have a large family with a lot going on. I try to go there whenever they have a new baby. I try to help out when they have a simcha to go to, I'll go babysit. So just by virtue of the fact that my family is so expansive and so big and wonderful and active, my challenges are to be able to help each one of them. And sometimes I do feel that pull, like, wait a minute, I want to go to Israel, be with my parents. I want to go to Arizona and be with the kids there. I want to be here and help out with the kids here. Which do I do first? Mm. That can be challenging. And overwhelming. And when my girls, you know, there are times when my my sons or daughters-in-law will say, mom, I asked you first, or I thought you were going to help me with this. And I'll say to them, you know what? My bracha to you, my blessing to you is that you'll be able to do it better than me. Mm. You'll plan your time better Mm. and you'll share your time better. I truly feel I'm doing the best that I can. I try not to have guilt about it. I have a ways to go. I still need to be able to say No, when something, you know, there are times when I've told three or four daughters-in-law I can do something on the same day. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So there are times when it's, I'm lucky and the timing works out and I can do a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit. And there are times when it's all at the same time. And I'll say, oh my gosh. So I keep a very strict calendar. I have a mommy calendar that's written by a Jewish young woman. I keep that very well written. I have my phone calendar. So as long as I write it down, I'm pretty good. (laughs) Wow. That's amazing. It's really, it's incredible. My head is spinning just thinking about all that goes into managing your life, but it's such an inspiration. It really, truly is something to really hold on to because we all want to get there. We all want to get there and to reap what we've sowed, Mm -hmm. right? Reap the fruits of our labor. And we give, what don't we give to our children? And then we want to take it to the next level and see them, you know, succeeding in a new way. And so it's so true. One of my good friends says, Beck, we run small corporations. Mm-hmm. Our families are like small corporations. You are the CEO. <laughs> and I always say, this is so true. We work very hard to keep our family together, to make sure that they love each other and respect each other, mm. to make sure that the grandchildren see each other and have that, you know, Bubby's 80 time and both together as a big group and individually. I try to carve out time so that I can take, you know, a few of them at a time. My granddaughter who just got married, we had a lunch together. And I said to her, where would you like to go out to eat, sweetie? Name any kosher restaurant in Chicago. She said, Bubby, would you mind if we go to Tel Aviv Pizza, which is like my worst favorite restaurant? I said, of course not. Of course, I would love to take you to Tel Aviv Pizza. And we had a lovely, lovely 
special time. Oh, Bubby, so nice. Bubby granddaughter one-on-one time, which was lovely. Thank so God. beautiful. Wow, this is really what it's all about. This gives a lot to think about, right? I think we sometimes when we're in it and very much in the, the nitty gritty uh, day-to-day we lose sight of the bigger vision. It's so true. It's yeah. so true. It gets to be a chore. Things, mm. things become a chore. But when I was sitting at the Western Wall at the Kotel in Jerusalem just a week and a half ago, I was just going in my head. I usually write it down and I didn't. I was just thanking God, thanking God, thanking mm. God for all of the blessings in our lives, for health and for everybody, you know, having a job and being able to, you know, have the koach, the strength to work. I was thanking God for my parents, having them alive. So many of my friends don't have their parents any longer. I just feel so blessed that I have them. And then I was asking God, of course, to, you know, watch over this one, watch over that one. Please help, you know, all of my children and grandchildren who need a little helping hand. Please help them help my husband to be able to continue his incredible work for the Jewish community. Mm. Help me to have strength and health and the list went on and on and on. I was just sitting and and crying and being thankful, but just trying to remember each and every blessing that's been just showered on me and on my family. Wow. That's so powerful. I'm so happy that my community is able to meet you virtually. Maybe they'll meet you hopefully in person sometime soon to come visit us in Deerfield. And um, I'm just looking that. over here. There's a sign behind Becky. It says Zimmerman. It said Zimmerman. And it's just all the birthdays. <laughs> and every month has like a chain of beads going down with everyone's name and the day of their birthday. And there's quite a lot up there because it. if you didn't have that, how would you even remember their <laughs> birthdays? Wow. So, so beautiful. What amazing nachas problems to have, right? right? To remember, That's to hold right. it all together. I'm sure you have heard this beautiful idea that when someone has seven boys, they go straight into Gan Eden, the Garden yes. of Eden. Did a million I, people tell you that as million, you were having your a boys? A million people have told me that. And I just have to tell you a quick, funny story. One of my sons, my son Shmuel, who is second to youngest, when he was in Israel studying Torah, he went to a very great rabbi. I, I'm very sorry that I can't remember the name of this rabbi. But he said to me, mommy, mommy, I went to this great rabbi and I said, my mom, she has seven sons in a row. And we've always learned that it's a straight ticket to heaven, to Ganeiden. And the rabbi looked at him and he said, tell your mother she needs to do mitzvot. She needs to do mitzvot. There's no straight no ticket. No straight ticket. No That's straight so ticket. There really isn't a source. It's a Baba Misa. It's, you know. People say it and people believe it. Because it's hard. It. It's so hard to raise <laughs> children and especially hard to raise sons, right? We right. say sar gidzol banim, like the pain of raising boys. boys. So my sister has seven boys. Oh my so, and she has one girl, thank God. Wow. And when she had her last child, which was a boy, someone was saying, you know, <laughs> there's this beautiful Jewish idea that if you have seven boys, you go straight into Gan Eden. So then someone, a little kid that was right next to my sister says, no, doesn't work like that. It's only if you have seven boys in a row. <laughs> And I said to my sister, I think you earned your ticket. I really think you did. I think so too. I think so too. But I always think of this Gadol, this great man in Israel who said, nope, you still have to work at it. So I'm planning to work at it. Uh, Well, thank you so, so much. This was great. I know you have carpools to do and a lot of your phone is buzzing. I had to put Becky's phone on silent while we did this because otherwise she is in high demand. (laughs) Okay. Thank you everyone for joining us. We'll see you next time. 
Thank you for being a part of our community. There is so much more coming your way. Stay tuned and have a great, inspired day.